the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast, brought to the friends at bookmakers.co.uk and in a, a very uh, cool news on the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival, all our Cheltenham Festival stuff now will be coming to you from bookmakers.co.uk in association with tonybet.com. Thank you very much, chaps. More about that uh, to come as we go through the weeks in the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival, but delighted to have Tony Bet on board. If you haven't checked them out, do go and do so at tonybet.com and as I say, more on that to come. As we fly through this, it's myself, Dean Ryan, in my own lockdown tower at home, as everyone is. I hope you're all keeping safe. Dermot Nolan is here. Hello, Dean. How are you? All good, all good, all good. The same old, same old, but look, the uh, it's like one long day at the moment, isn't it? But at least, thank God, now we have uh, like one, some but, absolutely top-class yeah, racing now. Yeah, so. yeah, like the one one long glass of wine. Yeah, like you say, we've the Dublin Racing Festival coming up, which is super exciting. Paddy Aspel is here. How are you, boys? How are you, Paddy? Yeah, good for him, thanks. Man and uh, Dave Weldon is back. Dave, hey Dean, it's good to be back. What a weekend to come back as well. Yeah, yeah. find that nicely. Plenty of good racing to look forward to. No chance of being off either because Leopardstown's in such good nick. So we're here. Uh, we might have a bit of a deep ground, but it will be certainly safe. You can give us more about that in a little while, Dave. I'm sure about. What... Um, we're going to do in the traditional race hour fashion. We do a review of the horses that ran over the last seven days, uh, highlighted and punctuated, I guess, by a. Uh, uh, the special effort from Shiskin. Um, then we're going to take a break and then we're going to do the Dublin Racing Festival on Saturday and then we're going to take another break and do the Dublin Racing Festival on Sunday and we'll have a quick glance over the UK stuff, although that racing is under uh, threat as it normally is when we talk at this time of the week uh, recording the Race Hour podcast. Okay, let's get straight into it. Uh, who wants to go first on Shiskin? Paddy, um, I'll let you up. Um, Nico has said that this horse can jump left, jump a bit right, but when you wake up Shiskin, game uh, over and I think that's pretty fair, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I mean, the pressure are always on these good horses in the small fields when they're sent off. It's just skimpy odds. But I think the one thing about this race is there was only four runners, but they went absolutely flat out. Mm. And, you know, I think he would have learned an awful lot the other day, Shiskin, because El Dorado Allen, he's no back number, but, you know, he's put him to bed quite nicely. And, I mean, the other two, fast book, tipped up because he literally couldn't go to gallop or he couldn't jump at that speed and the horse that set the pace East Illick I mean he was out of the picture before he even turned in so you know showed the fractions that went and for me I thought for a small field he would have learned a fair bit and up the straight he was absolutely faultless I thought he was very very good on his feet and yeah. I think like Nicky said after he just he, he only does what's required so visually he, he, he isn't always that, that flashy but no, very, very hard to, to go against him. Yeah, looks super, super easy for him at the moment. And, you know, as the yardsticks get a little bit tougher, then maybe he's um, he's had to step up his game a little bit. But probably not enough, David, to tell us whether um, whether there is a challenger for him come a March time. We're not that far away, he won't run again. So uh, is there something to take him on or you, you just uh, just wanted to see him get it done so it's a champion next year? I, I think it'd be something to give him a fright on the day. He, he'll win, I think, fairly handy, but um, like the likes of all mankind, he's going to go that pace as well, which is going to probably bring out a best from Shishkin. So I think we will see him at his best in the article, but he, he was faultless on Saturday. 
Um, you couldn't really make any comms. I seen a few people, Ruby and stuff, saying, "Oh, he jumped a bit left, he jumped a bit right." Um, but uh, to me, it looked pretty straight, and he was pretty faultless. And he went away from Elder Allen, but like that—that's he's one f- mid one forties horse, probably one fifty horse. But he—he he was very good. Um, and yeah, all roads lead to the Arkle. Yeah. Do Demo, do you have anything to add on the Shiskin train? I mean, it, it should just be a question of turn up and get it done. Although there are some good horses around this year, he does look a class apart. He does. Um, to be to be very harsh on him, which it's kind of fair to be because you're talking about a grade one horse. He, he was very fresh in the early stages, you know, which is understandable, of course. I mean, his jumping for me, it, it wouldn't be too much of an issue. I think the speed that all mankind will will bring into it with a help, but he's definitely more of an Altior than, I don't know, a Sprinter Sacre, you know, he, he kind of looks like he could definitely go up and trip in time. He's a brilliant horse to have, great horse to have around, but like he'd want to get rid of that from his, his armory because an Urgermine runs this weekend, which we'll move on to afterwards. He's a top-class horse as well, and you wouldn't want to be wasting any petrol, really, because I think he might be pumping into a very good one. He's the horse to beat. He'd be very, very hard to beat. But there's just a few very tiny chinks of armor, which I wouldn't pick apart any other horse than him because he's, you know, he's of that top ilk that you are, you are, you look on him with kind of harsher glasses on than you would with another horse. So the kind of the fresh angle early, he was just very, very fresh and kind of very loose. So hopefully if he tightened that up, we've got a serious, serious horse in our hands. Yeah. You know? And I mean, Paddy, I might just finish with you on Shiskin. In, in terms of the way he goes about his business and, and uh, if you think about what he's he's done so far, what the future might hold. I mean, he wouldn't have to be pigeonholed as a two-miler. Would he you'd imagine he'd get any kind of trip? Yeah, and I mean, look, that was pretty deep ground the other day. And yep. said the way the good old gallop. And, you know, he's hit the line pretty strong. Um, I say sometimes these horses are hard to judge because him, early doors, he can run behind the bridle, but he warms into a race. Visually, he is a little bit more impressive at the back end of it. So, no, I think it'd be, it'd be a bit unfair to to pigeonhole him as just an out and out two miler. Uh, he's probably got the, the the class even even in a lesser race to go two and a half now. But yeah. there's no reason because for me he is so good on his feet and especially going left handed. I wouldn't rule out two and a half at all. I just wonder with the division the way it currently is, and you know that you know Chacuan Poussoir and Altior, there's not going to be many more champion chases in them of course Chacuan Poussoir hasn't even got to one yet but like that division's probably going to look wide open for for Shiskin next term and then I wonder if they stay there and I'd be disappointed if that happens because you know first he's got to go and win those races but I'd be disappointed if that happens and they don't consider uh what what could lie up and trip eventually but you know you never know you never know. Let's talk about some of the other ones. Uh, there was a good win for Miranda in that mayor's hurdle for um, Paul Nichols and um and Harry Cobden, a good shout out for Stephen Cass and myself, also managed to, to find that one, which is unusual. <laughs> then we had um, Taking Risk going and beat I Wright in, in the big chase of the weekend. Coco Beach, who was super impressive in the ISDs and looks one that now maybe is, uh, is Cheltenham bound, but off a much tougher mark than it might have got there before. And Mouse Morris landing one with uh, Sam's profile. David, why don't you pick um, holes in those? Yeah, uh, just Taking Risks, the Skyway chase was. Not funny, but like the uh, Callum Beauty on I ride dropped swip three out, and uh, I can't remember who was riding taking um, taking risks, but he dropped the reins after the last as well. Like so, neither them really wanted to win it. They're trying to do their best to get beaten, and um, it was war of attrition. But that that taking risks is a fair horse, like forty to one. But he's what he's won a Scottish Scottish national, and he's 
won other big Martin races like that. And just deep ground and three miles plus is, is his bag. It's a great performance. And yeah, Coco Beach as well. He that was a stunning performance um for a novice and Tyestes to, to win. Like you could pick him out six, seven home and he was he was always gonna win. Um so yeah, they they were the two performances I took out of it. Um just to, and I think Callum Beauty as well got a bit of abuse online for the I right for dropping his whip um, from jo- from uh, armchair jockeys and stuff like that. So, yeah. but it was a it was a quiet weekend. But it's all in front of us now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Paddy, um, Dave, Dave mentions that Callum Beauty got a bit stick for dropping the whip. I mean, this happens in races. You have to think if he had the whip, uh, he may have managed to get a little bit more out of I right. But that horse deserves a big win. They're not taking anything away from te- from taking risks. But I right deserves a big pot this year for connections. Yeah, no, it's it, it always leaves the question mark, doesn't it? If if a jockey does drop the whip, um, but I think I heard I heard them saying the other day one of the time form guys um, who assesses the jumpers, he said on the book. Uh, I don't know how they come to this conclusion, but there was probably not many more genuine horses in training at the minute than I write that finds for pressure. So. Yeah. Um, they sort of were making some sort of reason as regards he probably didn't need the stick. But if you if Callum was to look in his wing mirrors, the one horse he didn't want to see him running him down was was um, was Nicky's horse because you know we know he stays all day and you know for he's a typical one of Nicky's. Although he is getting on in years, he's not over raced and and um, I think Nicky actually uses him as his, his hack every morning now. So he's probably a horse who's mentally he's in a good place and. I think it was just his day. I, I, I probably couldn't blame Callum uh, on the day, and, and he, he'll be he'll be back he'll be back to to fight another day. I write because there is a big pot in him because he's a good jumper, he's a good traveller, um, but he just hasn't really had all that much luck on his side so far. Totally, totally run some huge races in defeat. Demo, great to see Mouse Morris back at the uh, big table potentially with a horse <laughs> was liked on this podcast, which was Sam's profile. Yeah, Dean, I was absolutely thrilled. Like, I love this horse, as everyone knows. And what was very interesting afterwards was he was talking to Gary O'Brien, and he said that um, what he what that the horse fell uh, on his first start this season, and they hadn't noticed anything wrong with him. And then he went off and finished third against Monkfish when a vet said to them just just to get him scanned that that he just looked the tiniest bit uncomfortable. So then he went off, he got him scanned. And it turned out that the horse had um, had injured a rib and bruised his lung. So the run behind Monkfish was actually huge. Yeah. You think about it afterwards. And he he stayed all day. He's an interesting contender for, for the stayers hurdle without maybe having him at, at the top of my channel. But I think he's very interesting now that he'll go into next season as a novice again. And something like the four mile for him with just how tough that this horse does look. I think he's extremely interesting. And um, just to pull out that performance after after that kind of injury. And then just on two more, Billaway now is kind of short enough favourite for the, the Fox yeah. Hunters. I'd be taking him on all day in that. He just doesn't jump well enough at all. He's he's way too short. Um, I really wasn't impressed by that run at Nace. I actually thought Staker Wallace came out with a bit more in the bank than him. And it came to pass, didn't run, but that horse is qualified for the, the Hunters chase. So it came to pass, could well just do it again and looks quite a big price and then the last one to mention is Eklak the rear who beat um Ascaria 10 now they're both getting plenty of weight from the uh from the third that day pencil full of lead but um Eklak the rear jumped really well and it's just a great sight now when uh Henry the Bromhead horse go, starts flying over fences like that and Rachel Blackmore just just sits there and lets him jump it was a great sight he goes for the RSA he wouldn't really be on my agenda but he's every right now to kind of 
take that race on. So whilst it was a quiet weekend, Dean, we did have um of Cheltenham Clues a plenty yeah, against. Yeah, we did. We did, and um, yeah, that's a fair summary. I, I I'd love to see Mouse back at in one of the championship races with Sam's profile. And that looks like uh, that's going to happen at Cheltenham. So best of luck uh, to them. I would echo the, the comments made before about Coco Beach looked. Uh, that for all ends up a winner a million miles away from home and now they have to go and do it again off a higher mark but why not looks to have plenty plenty to come um okay that was the the weekend uh that was so to speak here on the race hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course tonybet.com we will take a break here when we come back we'll do the doubling racing festival and all the action on saturday you're listening to the race hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course tonybet.com all the way up to the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, We're in line for some serious, serious Cheltenham Festival pointers, but that is doing a slight disservice uh, to what is to come from the Dublin Racing Festival, a super weekend in its own uh, right now, of course, was the the culmination of moving a few different Sundays together and mixing and matching and some super races. And I think it's been a real Great success. I think this is year four or five now of this. Uh, sadly, Dermo, myself and you were there last year. Not sadly we were there last year, but we obviously can't go uh, this time round. But racing is going to kick off um, with the Nathaniel Lacey and partners. Um, well, the Cheltenham bonus for stable staff, actually. A handy one to win if they if they can go and complete a double for 50k on the pox. And it looks like Willie Munns will line up uh, Statler and Gallard de Menil against each other. Gallard de Menil, the favourite in those Donnelly colours that seem to own every nice horse uh, around at the moment. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Them and um, holding back a pony's owner there, you know, Monley's owner. Neither of those owners seem to buy a bad horse. <laughs> Every single horse that they seem to have is of a high ilk. And I absolutely adore Gayer Devaneil, but, but this is a very hard race. I mean, like, the the further down you go here, like, Vanlier was very close behind Fruit the Lane. You've got uh, Fakira at 12 to 1, very good horse. Holy Macapone, Gentleman's Game, um, Ashdale Bob. Okay, gentlemen, this is a serious race. Like, like what a way to start a festival. And uh, Gayard Domainil is the one that I really like. I like. I think he's the future Ballymore winner. The one slight fear I have about him is just um, over two miles six and going into a Ballymore. Just kind of whether or not he has the kind of staying potential. But at Christmas time, Dean, that the the way he won and the horse in second has come out since and won very well. The horse in third has won since as well. Like, that was just a serious performance. He could have won by 60 lengths if he wanted to. The way he jumped the second last showed how much he had left in the tank. He just flew over it, and he was gone. I think this horse is the Ballymore winner in waiting. I think he could get run down by maybe a stronger stare because this horse, te- this race tends to point towards the um, the Albert Bartlett more than a Ballymore. But my God, if he manages to to win this, he is my most confident selection of the weekend. But I wouldn't be too put off if he was a ran down second. But I think the rest of these horses, as good as they all are, and they are, these horses are brilliant. Holy Macapone beat Gayard Domaniel two runs back. But Gayard Domaniel, like a lot of Willie Mullins, has improved a ton for that run. Uh, same as Stackler, same as uh, 
as a novice chasers, just they kind of seem to be left well behind for their first run. So as good a race as this is, as brilliant as it is, I think Gayard Domainil is a little bit special and I think he's going to take an awful lot of stopping you. Yeah, the market kind of agree with you, but then paying a lot of respect to the rest of the field, which makes a lot of sense. Five to two at the minute for Gayard Domainil, uh, Statler five to one, and then it's six to one bar. And um, Paddy, I'll come to you. I noticed they're going to put the hood on first time mm. on Gayard you know, and that's uh, is that a reaction to what happened the last day? I mean, the last day was ultra impressive. Why is that going on? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Um, I mean, the thing is, you watch this horse when they ran him in France, they actually had blinkers on, um, you know, on, on a few occasions, but there's no doubt he got very tired on his, his first run for the yard, but was very, very likable performance the last day. And if he was to reproduce that, he would take a bit of beating here. Um, but, I mean, this is a very, very deep race. Very strong field. Um, I thought Gentleman's Game of Mouse Morris's, he could be a bit of a dark one here. You know, we don't, we've not seen so many of Gentle Wave's progeny so far, um, but he looks a real bit of kit, this Gentleman's Game. Be interesting to see on um, on Saturday at this sort of trip uh, because he is a bit of a forward goer, but there's a big engine in there. Um I might take a little chance with this chap because I think the value is going to be gone out of the, the Mullins horse because he was so impressive the last day. So probably small stakes, gentleman's game. If Robbie Power can just get him to keep his choke in early doors. Yep. Okay. Gentleman's game for Mouse Morrison. We just mentioned, of course, obviously in form uh, with the few that he does have left around the yard. Sam's profile uh, doing it on the big stage there last weekend. Over to you. Do you fancy the, the Mullins pair to, uh, I should say the Willie Mullins pair to, to fight this out or is there value? Um, I think there's a bit of value. I think the market is probably a bit on the short side for Gallard Dumanil. Like I know he won very well and the second and third have come out since, but um it was a bit of a weird race in that they went off a million miles and Gallard was trying to lead and um that sitting behind and probably suited him best out of the rest of them and the other ones could have more improvement in them. The one I like is uh Fakira for Gordon Elliott. Um, I think he's been dying for a step up to three miles. I know it's, he's getting there slowly and surely. Last two runs at Navin were over two and a half. The first time he won um, in the race, the Holy Macapone was pulled up. He was outpaced out the back. He was, I think it was 20s on Betfair. And he stayed on past them all to win. And then the uh, last time he was behind Ashdale Bob. But again, he was outpaced mid-race and looked like he was going to pull up and ran on well to finish second. Cheap pieces going on first time. And step up and trip to two miles six. Um, I think the 12th one out there probably underestimates him a little bit. And then the other one I was interested in was uh, Ganapathy for Willie Mullins. He ran last time in the Moscow Flyer over two miles. It's just interesting just stepping him up and running him against Gadar de Manil here. Um, two, six furlongs to two miles six. He's about a 16 to one chance. He needs to improve, but I think. The fact that running them here probably suggests that he, they think he's a good horse and he could have run them odds at 16-1. to 1. Yeah, it's a fair comment, of course, in the Donnelly Colours as well. Ganapathy, uh, Brian Cooper looks like he's got the leg up on that one for Willie Mullins and uh, a big price around for that. And for Kira, for Jack Kennedy and Gordon Elliott, also in the double-figure zone. I think you can make a case for anything here and the progressive flesh that you're deciding to uh, to go with will, will lead you to the winner's enclosure. And I think anything is possible. Um, they're most super confident about Galad de Menil. Um, and that's interesting to to see this conference, considering the wealth of racing 
that is to come over the, the two days. And I'll be sitting absolutely on the fence and uh, and waiting to see what wins this race. Why don't we move on to the 135? Uh, Dave, I'll come to you first on this. It looks like um, Patrick is getting the leg up on Min to take on Paul uh, Talman aboard Chakran Poussoir. And uh, Susanna and Rich Richie Colours um, should dominate this race. But am I doing a disservice to the uh, the other four runners in the field? Notebook, Tornado Fly, Fakir Dudaris and Sizing Potsy. Um, a little bit, Dean, yeah. But I think Shakan wins. I think he probably wins well. Um, this is probably his ideal uh, trip and track. We, I know he discussed it last week about him getting up the hill um, at Cheltenham with his destroy pattern and all that. But I think Min is maybe a, bit, a little bit successful now. He's 10. He's been around on the go a fair bit. I think he, he, he's shown now he's a proper two-and-a-half-miler. Um, and I think... I'll be back in probably Fakir and Notebook in matches against Min um, and probably without Shakan and maybe a little reverse forecast as well. Notebook finished second to him the last day. He's kind of calmed down a little bit. His jumping's good. Um, Fakir was going well to a certain point in the in the Savills. Joseph's were a bit under the weather. Uh, they seem to be running a bit better now. It's hard to know what's going on down there with with the jumpers, given he's kind of taking a step back from it, whether it's Brendan Powell doing most of the training or what. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd take them two against the rest of the field, excluding Shakan to finish maybe second and third, um, and in a match against Min. Um, like Min Min's target's going to be the Ryanair. This isn't going to be his target. So we've said this before. This is just going to be a stepping stone to that. Um, so Shakan will win, and stick in reverse forecast with either Fakir or Notebook. Yeah, hard to, hard to argue with the logic there, Dave, in terms of taking Chacon Poursois out of the occasion for, for betting options. And this becomes quite a quite a sexy race to try and solve with the remaining runners. And that's assuming that Chacon is as, as, as bomb-proof as perhaps it looks now. Nine years old, not going you know, to have too much longer at this table uh, to go to war. Uh, Paddy, I'll come to you. Um, intriguing matchup between the two uh, Richie runners. But you know, I know you were a big fan of Notebook last year. Yeah, definitely. Um... I mean, he's got to put, I won't say below par, but, you know, six and a half lengths is a fair bit of distance to try and turn turn around from the yeah. last time they met. Um, so for me, there's very, very little between it. I, I, I'm always of the day I like to see how he's behaving. I mean, he's an eight-year-old now. You'd think he's, he's sort of, he's grown up mentally a little bit, but I still just think that he's slightly below um, Shackens level, even even on a going day. I'm struggling to get away from from the fav here. I mean, the handicapper, you know, he rates Shacken 174 and notebook, you know, he's 163. He's, he's, he's got a fair bit to find with him, really. Um, I'm struggling to look past him on, on Saturday, unfortunately. No, that's fine and totally understandable. I mean, this is supposed to be Shacken Poursois' uh, victory en route to uh, to champion chase glory and Min will go elsewhere and Notebook will try and probably make up the numbers at Cheltenham um, and a couple of these are on redemption. I mean, it wouldn't be the longest stretch in the world, uh, Dermo, to suggest Vaka Dudaris has a bit more to offer being only a six-year-old and potentially could still step up to the bracket. He called but Notebook stuffed him earlier on in the yep. season. I think he's kind of a hard horse to, to place for them at the moment. I'd say this is a bit of a warm-up for a Ryanair for him too. Um, so this race, just from a betting point of view, Dean, has absolutely no interest to me at all. Um, I'll sit back, watch uh, watch Shaqen first of all, and hope that he uh, ties up a bit late on it <laughs> again and we can get a bit more excited about uh, Ponte Ketla. 
Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, there is that question mark about Chacon Poussoir and it's the final furlong of his races and it's going to be very different for him uh, even at Le- Leperstown than it will be at Cheltenham. So, yeah, if there's something to answer, I would love to see what I didn't see last year uh, um, at this meeting was that when he made that mid-race move that he goes through with it and we get a masterminded kind of finish to the whole thing and maybe we'll get that this time around. So, if, to me, it's fascinating. Again, uh, I'll be steering clear of the betting options in that contest as much as I'm looking forward to watching it. Dermo, I'll let you kick off with the uh, the Irish Arkle, which follows that. And you mentioned a horse uh, earlier on in, in dispatches as we were talking. Uh, Inerjimin for Willie Mullins and Paul Townend. Uh, I'm going to repeat the record here, but they've got the market leader again. Would this be the, the third leg of a treble on the day? It could well be. Yeah, you could see a lot of people now knocking up at all Willie Mullins, kind of three or four timer with maybe Kilcrut yeah. in the in the bumper at the end as well. You know, there's uh, the the bookies will be kind of fearing that I'd say more than anything else. Um, there's there's definitely the the opportunity here for <laughs> Willie Mullins and Paul Townend and whoever else because they are in supreme form as well that they could knock through because like as good a race as this is because all these horses are top class. Like, but Anurjamin has just looked absolutely brilliant. He kicked Captain Captain Guinness. Um, aside last time unaccepted that's a bit of an unknown horse but again I, I wouldn't have him to beat the favorite and the kind of further down you go like Frank de Port won a Christmas but I think that was a race that you can pretty much put down to the jockey it's great to see Brian Cooper back riding as well as he is now you know um, even the ride on latest exhibition against Monkfish at Christmas that was the old Brian Cooper of throwing a horse into fences and like he seems to really be back, and you can see that now with the likes of Willie Mullins using and everything else. Brian Cooper's really is his um, his star is shining again. But Franco yeah. de Port, I thought that race kind of fell apart. I think he wants a bit further. Wouldn't be surprised to see him run in something like the Marsh um, at Cheltenham. But he deserves his place here, absolutely more than likely. But the one that I'd have without the favourite, because I do think the favourite's going to be very hard to beat again. I, I've been quite boring now in these first three races, but we don't need to. It's a long weekend. We don't need to. Uh, take them all on uh, but if i was to have a bet here the one i'm hovering over is uh felix de g on the day without the favorite because i thought that uh at parts he looked brilliant jumping his fences but like a lot of uh gordon elliott he kind of fell into a hole and a lot of those horses at christmas did so i think felix de g is the one the rest of them like darver star could finish second and bittered could finish second a lot of these could so i think there's a blanket over the rest of them and there's Jermaine is the um is the favorite i'd love a good performance that we have a proper article this year between two excellent horses but felix de g without the favorite team would probably be be my better yeah i'd have to echo that i mean if there's there's a horse and he's a bit more experienced than the rest he's mixed out in uh in some serious um races and whilst you're looking at bags and bags of potential and and class with Energimin and you know potentially this is the one that will go and shake Shiskin up. Uh, Felix Deji does make a lot of sense. Jack Kennedy for Gordon Elliott and the double figure price. Dave Weldon. Yeah, um, that run the last day though, he, he was a headless chicken. Like I know Gordon's weren't that well, but Felix Deji like he he blew out at a ridiculously fast pace. Then he kind of fell back and then he nearly came back again to take the lead. And then he fell back into a hole. It was just such a weird race. I nearly you been absolutely, knocked You absolutely have to take the view that that race uh, fell apart because of him, pretty much. And that he destroyed it. He destroyed the race. Yeah. And even Jonathan Moore said afterwards that um, he kind of felt like he had to go to Felix Station because they'd run together in the past and stuff like that. And that destroyed yeah. his chances. And then Frank would report, picked the pieces up. Um, so I, I nearly be ignoring that race completely. Uh, Captain Guinness ran it. Good race behind in Ujamin the last day. Um, I think he reproduces that as well. He shouldn't be a 10-to-1 chance. 
unexpected. It's, it's probably most well-named horse going because you just don't know what you're going to get with him. Um, he can bolt up with 15 lengths or he can pull up. Um, so you can't really back him at 5-1. to one. I think Captain Guinness is probably to play here without uh, an at 10-1 to one, or maybe a forecast between the two again. Um, and hope that nice form stacks up here. Um, I, I'm devastated Joseph Bryan's de- declared him bitter for this race. Absolutely devastated. He was entered in the Madison Chase later on um, of 144. That was lovely Mark based in his form, and he's declared him for this for another hack around probably in Gulf Channel. When the race sure, look, the owners, the owners like graded races, you know, yeah, and that's, know. that's what they're going for. It's another grade one, and if anything mad were to happen and a bit had picked it up, uh, you know, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be hiring you as racing manager. But I agree with you. I mean, that's just what they do. They they yeah. tend to they tend to throw handicap snips <laughs> into uh, into hot races and uh, and ruin their chances. Okay, that I mean that that's that's I think that's fair. Everything you said there. I mean, let's go see what Paddy thinks about Enerjamin. Is this the horse, Paddy, that can? Uh, that, you know, we're all hoping there's there's something to challenge your skin, unless you're on super anti post prices. But Enerjamin exciting you, the seven year old for Willie Mullins to be the one to take him on at Cheltenham. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've yeah. heard a, a few good judges give this horse a real good mention of that he's gone under the radar a little bit, um, really. But like Dermo said, he absolutely kicked Captain Guinness out of the way the last day, and he is he is a horse. He's been raised sparingly, you know, for a seven-year-old. We've we've seen very, very little of him. Um, he's the winner for me. Um, I think maybe the unexposed one here again is the horse down the bottom of Willie's unexpected, I thought. Although we've not seen him, you know, for over three months since that Tipperary run, he looked very, very good on his feet that day. I mean, that was his first start over fences. So he could be anything, this horse. I think he's, for me, he probably an out-and-out two-miler. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he shapes, but we'll certainly find out how good he is Saturday. But for now, um, the Fav, he looks very, very good. He does. He does indeed. If Galard de Menil goes in at around 5-2, to 2-1 two, two to one current price, it's 1-2 to two is the price for Chacoin Porsois, unless Min is your uh, uh, delegation. And then it's Enir Jamin at 4-5. to five. Bookies could already be on the back foot as we head into uh, that Matheson handicap chase. Dave, as you felt you had the winner until it's not running there, uh, what do you like in this? Uh, I, I don't think it's as simple as the first three races, put it that way. No, it's definitely not, Dean. Um, it's, it's a decent enough renewal of it. Um, plenty of unexposed horses and a bit of horses improving through the handicap. Like Epson the Who won his last two. The, the time was fairly comparable, I think, to Nujamin uh, at Nace the last day. Um, so he could be snip still off one three eight. And Hugh Cass has done plenty um, finishing second in some big handicaps. Finished fourth the last day behind Daily Tar- Target and Dan Moore, which was a decent run. Kind of made a few novice mistakes. If he sharpens up, he'd have a chance. The one I landed on is um, Port Stanley for Harrington and Robbie Power. Cheap pieces on first time. And if you just look at the line through Aramax um, in from beginner chase last time, Port Stanley was rated 125 over hurdles and Aramax was 144. And now I know there's only a few pounds between them here, but um, Port Stanley was basically favoured for that race. Aramax was 14 to 1. Forsani ran well enough, and I think the price differential between the two is, is too much. And cheap pieces sharpen up his jumping um, this time around, and can see him go well about 12 to 1. Yeah, actually, Dave. I mean, that's the that's the one I liked. I really fancied he'd win that race actually at Ferry House the last day when uh, when Aramax came through, and I think surprised everybody and go and win as well as it did on yeah. um, 
you know, after that break, we hadn't seen Aramac since October. And it, I think, it, you know, obviously the odds were surprising. Um, Derm, I'm going to come to you. Aramax is an interesting runner in here because in the form that we've just seen in uh, just a few weeks ago, and if that's improved upon, I don't think the marker 141 would be too too scary for everyone. Uh, Joni McGarvey takes over there for from uh, from Keith. 10 stone 11 is not going to be easy uh, for him. But Port Stanley is an interesting runner. I haven't just finished behind him. Port Stanley is extremely interesting, and that's the one that I've landed on as well. Um, I think um, Aramax is very interesting, but I just wonder if that mark for 141 is is prime Galway plate material. Um, and, um, you know, whether whether that, that might just be left alone. Now, that's completely guessing because Aramax obviously won the last day, and this is a very valuable handicap in, it, in its own right. The first two in the market extremely interesting running brilliant races all season but they're they're kind of short enough for kind of what they are now like they could be handicap snips but i'm not sure they they actually are that and um, there's a few very very interesting ones here um port stanley maybe looked a bit soft last time but he's he's still a good horse and he might be kind of straightened up as dave said there by the by the headgear so uh, port stanley a 12 to 1 or so i just think with a bit more of an aggressive ride and everything else as well i think he he could take a small bit of stopping here and a mark 135 does look extremely fair as well Dave. yeah port stanley like i said is where i'm at that's where dave Wells at seems to be where Dermot nolan is at uh paddy will spoil the party or join or, or get on board the train um i think uh, port stanley the other day I just thought he backed out of it quick enough. I know they've put the cheap pieces on him. I just think he wants something stronger on his head now than cheap mm-hmm. pieces. He's, he's probably the best horse in the race. You're right, lads. But I do just think when, when the push comes to shove, he's, he's hit the crossbar a little bit too often for me. Um, I would probably be with the shunter here to freshen him up, and he has won after a break in the past. And I mean, he's still on a lovely mark, one, three, two. Uh, the shunter and uh, hopefully if, if the boys are, are on a going day, uh, which is no reason why they shouldn't be. Uh, yeah. The shunter for me with, with 10 stone 7. Still one of the fascinating stories of this season was when the shunter came from nowhere to go and lap that big pot at Cheltenham. And it seemed that like everybody knew 10 minutes before and nobody knew uh, three weeks before. But uh, I do maybe I'm just talking about myself at this point. But the same thing applies. Emmett Mullins done a brilliant job uh, with the shunter and in here with a live chance under Brian Hayes. And that would be where Paddy goes. I mean, you have to respect Epson De Who and then two casters. Uh, as the lads have said there, one for Joseph, of course, with Mark Walsh on and two casts. And Henry De Bromo, the Rachel Blackmore teaming up with Epson. Uh, De Who, who does go in this handicap, Dave, and uh, they don't run embittered in those Gigginstown silks. There's not much you can do about that. That's what's lining up. I mean, that is a tricky puzzle to solve. How about trying to solve uh, the Irish champion hurdle this year that goes to post at 3.15? Last year, I think everyone on the pod to a man thought Honeysuckle would go and get the job done. Uh, I'm going to announce my allegiance early and think that this year, I think she can run just as well, but probably only finish second or third. Paddy Aspel, is Honeysuckle going to remain uh, the Irish champion hurdler? Did you say she's going to finish second, Dino? Second or third, I think, even if she runs as well as she did last year. I, I, I just think this is tougher. Than it, I was, it was. I thought it was only Stephen Cass that swore on the. Uh, on, <laughs> I do. I do feel <laughs> filthy. I, feel, I do feel filthy. Yeah, dirty, and yeah, sorry about that. But that's what I think. <laughs> I think the thing about Honeysuckle is obviously this is her, her her first time back at the minimum since she won this race last year. But I think she just has gotten a bit clever. I mean, her last three starts, she's won them all by half a length. Um, and yeah, so that's three times in a row we've come away thinking, oh God, she's, she's starting to look beatable or, you know, is, is, is she, um, 
is 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 a, is there a sort of unbeaten run going to come to to an end soon? I just can't see it. Um, you know, like I say, I just think she's not getting older without getting wiser. And yep. you know, I mean, yeah, she's seven now, but she still remains unbeaten. Obviously, she's getting weight from the boys here. It'd be interesting to see if Sam Wark can can bounce back after a disappointing effort last time. But no, I'm 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 no no swearing for me here, Dino. I'm not going to go against the mayor. I love that. Thank you, Paddy. Uh, do you know what I'm going to do? Is like, it's like I obviously have her, and I think we've been talking about her all the way through for for the mayor's hurdle again. I think that's where she'll go. I think that's what she'll win. I think she'll, they'll do it comfortably. But if she wins this, she will go champion hurdle. I think we know that, Demo. We know that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, like the kind of like my way into this, Dean, is because uh, is that just to back honeysuckle for the champion hurdle and double that exactly, with concertista yeah. for for the mayor's yeah. uh, because that's that's that's. That kind of covers that off, but yeah, uh, I have to swear as well. I like, I absolutely adore Honeysuckle, and I think she's absolutely brilliant. But I just think this is a kind of a hotter race, and um, I think Abercadabras and Saint Wob bring a lot to the table. Um, I'm I'm kind of sitting this one out really now because as much as I love Abercadabras and I think he's a champion hurdle contender, the ground blunts him a small bit, and like like. I think it would be completely forgivable for him kind of not to win this. And I think he go to Cheltenham as a, a bigger price then. Um, Charge is very interesting, but the ground again, like I, but at Christmas he handled it, but they always seem to say that this is a horse is a much better horse on, on better ground. And St. Was is on a bit of a, a retrieval mission. And then of course we get to, we get to Saldier who Paul Townend's on at 14 to one. So on the day I probably will be back in Saldier because I know that he handles the ground. That was a big run at Christmas so that's like he just looks a big old price really at that a 12 to 1 or so considering what this horse has done before but it'll be a small bet on him hoping that abacadabras runs well and then i'll just cover honeysuckle for for cheltenham it's heartbreaking this this kind of feels like pushing my mother down a flight of stairs or something it's uh <laughs> it's, it's 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 heartbreaking stuff altogether but really I, is, just, yeah. Yeah, I just i just can't i just can't back Honeysuckle at six to four when this is a better race. Although just for Honeysuckle backers, I got off the call with Keith Donahue for the article just before this. The article would go live this afternoon, and um, he was talking about this race, and he said the same that just the a ground concern about Abercadabras, and he echoes Paddy. He says that uh, very good horses just always just win, and he says that he thinks Honeysuckle might just kind of do that again. But it's um, it's such a hot race, but I will be. We'll be having a small bet on Saldier, and then I'll be watching this because this race will really inform us as to who will go and beat Epitone. Yeah, this is what I want to happen purely for my wallet. Honeysuckle will come up just short, run a gallant race, and then all systems go to the mares, and I think that's fine. And uh, saint comes through and announces that actually the run we saw behind Sharjah was just the kind of like first day at the big school. Uh, where, where you run home and, and have a little cry to your man when you get back, but realize actually it's going to be okay in uh, in time. So that's why I'm hoping it's going to happen. But Dave, are you going to swear on the race hour? Because, you know, it has become that if you say Honeysuckle isn't going to win. I most certainly will not, Dean. And I can't hey. believe the two of you. Paddy's the only sane one here. I never thought I'd say that in my life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, if you look at it on actual figures, Honeysuckle is top rated so with her seven pound allowance bring up to 166 charges 164 and the rest are in high 150s and um, yeah. they still have plenty to find i know you can argue that's been over further but she's shown the ability to win this race before 
Um, six to four is a great price. Charge it. You want your head examined back in him at five to two. He throws in stinkers more, more often than not. Um, Saldier, you'd wonder with him, like he, he's probably been trained for one big day and just taking him along slowly because you've seen previously when he's put in good performances, he hasn't come back and he's picked up a knock. Um, Petty Moucher will take them along probably and do a job for Honeysuckle, even though he's not trained by Henry Romhead anymore. And then if the two novices from last year, you probably pick one of them to, finish, to follow her home. Dermo saying there that, that Abba won't uh, light the ground. I think saying, well, I'll be fine on it. And he'd probably be the one to finish second and maybe do Honeysuckle on the line, but I, I can't see it. Do you know what? You've just described what the worst result would be. Honeysuckle winning goes champion head or Saint-Wire finishing second goes anywhere else and it doesn't make any difference. That it could be of assistance, Dean. Thank you, yeah. appreciate that. Um, Let's see uh, if you can do a similar kind of mystic ball uh, job or mystic make job on uh, on the 350 that comes up on the Saturday, which is the Labrooks hurdle. Um, There's going to be a few uh, snippers in in this, I would imagine. Can you find them? Charles Burns, interestingly, advanced Virgo, uh, likely to be somewhere near the top of the betting, Dave. Yeah, this is, this is some race, Dean. Um, you can make a case for, for more than half the field. Um, my eye keeps on being brought to Blue Sari. I don't really know why. I think off 140, he's ch- chucked in. Um, he's had problems last year. and He's probably not the horse everyone thought he was when he finished second behind by Allen in the, in the bumper a couple of years ago. Um, and maybe they have other targets in mind, and this is just a stepping stone. Um, so 12th one, you probably couldn't be back in him. Advance Virgo's very interesting. But I think Dermot will mention it later on that he kind of got away with one the last day. Um, the horse fell two out and, and kind of hampered half the field. And you could probably make a case that he'd be flattered by, by that performance. The one I've landed on, um, more so because I think he's probably um, well handicapped. Gordon's still going for the, the title. I think not that he'll let this mark slip away. The very man, um, with Conor McNamara taking another very valuable five pounds off. It's about thirty-three to one chance in places. That's probably double the price I thought I'd get. Um, finished running in the Royal Bond last time playing Bally Adam. That's fine. Was there to do a job. Um, and but last year beat um, Getaway Gorgeous in a novice hurdle. Who was a decent horse running tomorrow. Um, beat her by two and three quarter lengths. That was a good run. And he, like, it's his first handicap run. I have a feeling he's much better than one one uh, than one three seven. And I, I just can't see him going off thirty three to one if he's on a going day. I think he could walk half that, especially like, the ground will suit. No issues there. He likes this trip. He's out and out two miler. They can try and bring up and trip and stuff like that. But thirty three to one for the very man is is a steal of a price. I think. Okay, price too big. The very man, Conor McNamara, taking off five as well for uh, for Gordon Elliott. That is the the way that that one is dropped up. Dermo, uh, kick in here and uh, and try and solve one of the very tricky, probably one of the trickiest puzzles of the weekend. To be fair, yeah, as Dave said, Advanced Virgo could he could well just be another um, one of the the Charles Burns horses for this race. Um, one for the good guys and the uh, <laughs> but um, you know. <laughs> He really could, uh, but just yeah, as Dave said, that that race last time there was, there was a few horses basically kind of taken out when Eclair de Buffon came down, and whilst he won it comfortably, it's just he got a bit of a whack there now, and he'll be he'll be very well back in the day. He could win, but I'm happy to kind of let him win. I landed 
on two here, the first one is just a really obvious one um, from a McManus point of view, uh, the Myglass Flyer of 129. Like that was a decent run behind Master McShee, but it looked like there, there's been a, an aim with this horse. And I wouldn't be surprised had other horses been pulled out to make sure that this horse got in at the very, very uh, foot of the weight. You can see Mark Walsh is on board, 10 stone eight, 129. Joseph O'Brien's horses are flying again. So the Myglass Flyer, um, is very interesting. Uh, he's priced about eight to one, seven to one. I can see him going off favourite um, and probably around nine to two, four to one or so. I just think he'd be extremely well backed. This is um, this is very similar to what McManus uh, has done with a lot of his his kind of horses. He 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 runs around as novices, gets them a low mark, and kind of he could be well ahead of it. But the other one is uh, Gabby Necco, sixteen to one, and I actually prefer him. Um, he's had five runs this season, and like that's like they're serious runs, Dean. Like. Uh, Second to Escalane, second to Fakira. He beat Envious Editor then at Nace. Third behind Ashdale Bob. And then third last time in a grade one, uh, the uh, Lawlers of Nace. Now, Bob Ollinger was too good for them that day and Blue Lord pulled his head off. But he was far from um, disgrace there. And he gets into this race of 138. And it just looks to me at times, which you, you always have to look for in handicaps is a, a potentially graded horse running here. And if there is any of these who is potentially graded, I think he's one of them. And of a mark for 138 for Gavin Cromwell, who's as shrewd as they come, he's more than experienced now in, in fields. Um, and I just think that this horse is a big price at 16 to one. Um, I was thrilled that Keith agreed on the, uh, with his four to follow as well, which will be out shortly. And, it's just 16 to 1 or so, just just looks a very big price. He will have to come back and trip, obviously, so that can be a problem. But a lot of the time in these handicaps, Dean, they're so frantic, as you know, a kind of, you know, like a, a stair can, can really come to the fore in them. So at 16 to 1 there on Gabby Nacco, considering the grade one level of form that this horse carries, a mark of 138 could be a bit of a joke there. Okay. I mean, I think you picked out the first part of what you were saying there about the Moy Glass Fire. It just looks such an obvious uh, shout for this contest, Mark Walsh for Joseph uh, O'Brien, and uh, probably, you know, like you say, could go off a market leader. But the the Gabinaco shout is a um, is a fascinating one for Gavin Cromwell and Jonathan Moore at a far bigger price. That run behind Bob Ollinger, we held um, Rachel Blackmore talk just at the, the absolute the highest degree of that animal as well just recently, and uh, that was a big run only a couple of weeks ago at Nace in. Um, in January, of course, by Gabby Nacco. So, yeah, fascinating. Uh, Paddy, over to you, Leslie, what you fancy for this 350 at uh, Lepersand, lads, with a, with a few that were uh, well noted. Yeah, no, red, red hot stuff, as you would expect. Um, I think Dave hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, you look, Charles Burns that won this last year at Vance Fargo. He's got a lovely racing weight there, but there's no doubt that race last time um, there was carnage with a faller. And I thought the second was was probably very unlucky, Kate Boy, that he didn't win that day. So could be um, not really much value there. So I dropped on Champagne Gold here. I thought a very, very good run behind Fakira last time. And looks like Connections have had this race in mind. There was only three lengths behind Fakira in you know a novice company last time. And it was quite a deep race. So 76 days, this has obviously been the plan. So Champagne Gold off 1-3-2 for me. Okay, champagne gold then for Paddy, uh, the very man for Dave. Uh, the Moy Glass Fire, I think we'll probably all echo that. Looks relatively obvious and will we'll go off short enough, I would think. And uh, Blue Sari that Dave mentioned as well, I thought was was fascinating there for, for Willie Mullins and Donald McInerney. And um, um, Paddy, of course, giving us one 
uh, there as well for that with the Henry de Bromed and Rachel Blackmore team of Champagne Gold. Double figures. It's going to be a double figure winner unless one of the really obvious ones uh, goes in. But uh, a fascinating race. And as uh, as we've said, pretty hot stuff. Paddy, I'll let you go first on the uh, the bumper that closes off the card. Um, we're not going to not going to see any Sagerhard in here, but with Kilcrew and uh, Chemical Energy uh, top in the market, and uh, there's another Donnelly set colours as well uh, with Ramelies uh, for Willie Mullins uh, back in third spot there in the betting uh, hot stuff again. Yeah, it certainly is, and I mean I heard Patrick Mullins' interview the other day on TV, and you know he said he was having a real job to um, to choose between these. Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to hope he's chosen wrong here because. I think the horse down the bottom, he is interesting. Um, what do you want? Because I think the chat about this chap before he made his debut was that he was a little bit underwhelmed and he wasn't that flash at home. And he was a good way behind, you know, some of their better ones. But I think yeah. he really came to life. Obviously, Patrick has, has elected to ride Kilcrute. And, you know, he, 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 on paper, he looked maybe silly not to. But I just liked the way he hit the line. What do you want? And, you know, you know, I'm a fan of horses that aren't that flashy and run behind the bridle a little bit, but he certainly came to life on the track on debut. And I mean, there was a short price favourite that day, um, albeit he was probably on a better part of the track. What do you want? But still, nonetheless, he looks like he's a fair horse. And um, I'm hoping for me that maybe Patrick has chosen wrong. Yeah, and he's only got a limited amount of. Uh of uh, information to work with and plus what happens at home I guess and uh, that can easily happen uh, Dave is there is there a chance of a shock it wouldn't be that much of a shock if a Willie Mullins horse wins this although that would be the outsider of his uh, trio yeah no I, I think the market's the wrong way around here um, like Kilcrute is grand and all that but I, I don't think he's that that good like he's not, I don't think he deserves to be a 7-4 to four favourite um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of chat about him last year around Cheltenham time um, and preview nights and stuff like that, and I think that's kind of carried over and, and been built into his price here. Um, let's be clear about it: was second to Sir Gerhard the last time, but it was a fine run. I don't think he should be a seven to one chance he'd have an each way poke. Um, Ramsey's is five to one again. I think that's a couple of points too big. And Noble Yates, like he only ran ten days ago for Emmett Mullins. I'm surprised Patrick's got off him to be honest, because he absolutely bolted up. And Gordon had one who was well held in that as well. Um, and he's a six to one chance. So like, I probably won't have a bet until the day, until the race time, to see how the day's going. Because this is a really hot bumper, um, and you could probably make a case for six, three quarters of the field, um, and still end up being wrong. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, it's a fascinating bumper. Yep, yeah, I think if you are going to take a, a chance in the race, um, Paddy's probably hit the name in the head and finding one a reasonable price with loads of progression to come but you could, that stands for the field demo uh yeah look it's a serious bumper it's one to watch um i don't back winners and bumpers so i don't back in them anymore so um i will uh, <laughs> yeah. i will i'll watch this race i'll enjoy it but i won't be getting involved at all Okay, that wraps up the Saturday at the Dublin Racing Festival. We'll take a break here on the Race Hour, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and, of course, tonybet.com all the way up to the Cheltenham Festival itself. And uh, we'll be back after that and we'll tackle Sunday at the Dublin Racing Festival. You've been listening to the Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews. Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and tonybet.com all the way through to the Cheltenham Festival. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Paddy Aspel, David Weldon and Dermot Nolan, and we're about to look at Sunday 
at the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, we're going to kick off with the 140. That's the Spring Juvenile Hurdle. He's a brilliant pointer uh, towards the, the festival, of course. And uh, Paddy, I might come to you first with this. Uh, we're going to see Quilixios again for Gordon Elliott. That looks very likely. St. Sam, who of course ran into Zana here, doesn't appear here. French Asiel, who looks super exciting. Another uh, horse in the Donnelly colours. Um, but it looks like we could get a field of eight. That would be uh, an interesting bunch uh, to go all war with. What do you like? Yeah, I mean, our Faf looks very, very good, doesn't he? Quilixius very, very hard to fault him. Um, but I think up until the other day, uh, the French seal, the, the form of that race was, was not working out at all. I mean, Dermot Wells, horsey scraped home the other day, didn't he? At, mm. at Nace under a good ride from, from town end. But still, that's not French seal's fault um, because... You know the ones that were behind him; they were a long way behind him, and and he never came off the bridle. And um, there's not going to Cheltenham if he does turn up at Cheltenham. There's not much at the minute. You wouldn't say there's not much value in his price, but you know the fact that connections went into trouble of picking him up so quickly, and um, I just think he looked well trained for the day because I think Marie Holden has said that they'd had this horse a fair while and. You know, it was a brave show for a horse who'd never got any further than a mile in France, and they they popped him out and rode him up in the van at Leperstown. But he, he hurdled and travelled very well, and like I said, the form of the race is yeah. very ordinary. But he could do no more than win, so I'll give him a go here to maybe um maybe cause a slight little surprise. Okay, yeah, it would be a slight little surprise, but as we say, you know, and a lot of the horses are on display at Leperstown over the two days bags and bags of potential and we're just going to see some of it realised this weekend uh, Dave Weldon I'll come to you next uh, try and split the top two maybe go deeper um, I don't really have an opinion on this race to be honest I, like Santa here is by far the best juvenile we've seen this year um, so if you fancy him for a triumph you probably want St. Sam to run well he got a bit of a pig of a ride at Christmas probably should be 20 to 1 but they've also the option of the bulls with him Umdor fell when looking like winning he might get retribution here um, but Quick's loss has missed a couple of engagements but he seems fine and seems to be trying to juggle the, the um, bag of riches they have juveniles down in Elliott's so um, he could take all the beating here as well I don't think French Steel is going to go here I think, I think Willie said she's going to go straight to um, straight to the festival so just mind that and a couple of them get marks after this one as well so yeah I, I don't really have an opinion to be honest Ian, but it, it's a good race Fair enough. Uh, Spring Juvenile, Dermot Nolan. Um, do you think uh, Quixelos has maybe missed one or two engagements because of that pecking order? It's kind of they need to find races for all different horses, and this one makes sense to go here and then Cheltenham. Uh, yeah, but at Christmas he was in Chepstow in the uh, juvenile hurdle there, and obviously they couldn't go then because of the problems there. So it just ended up that there wasn't really a race for him. So the, yeah. this was next his next. Port of call. All the word from from the yard down there is that there's not an awful lot between him and and Zana here, like not a million miles at all. So he's sure. he's five to four. I won't be getting involved, but um, Kulixiox looks like he'd be very hard to stop. And arguably, the five to four that's there now could well end up being actually a decent price because French Azil, by all the sounds, isn't going to run. So you know you'd end up with five to four with a horse that would be uh, deep odds on. So he should take yeah, a lot I of stopping. He should take a lot of stopping, uh, but as Dave said, it's not a race of any interest in involvement. Can I uh, interest you then in the Chanel Farmer Novice Hurdle Grade 1 that follows that at 2.10? Because 
we've had a few debates about appreciated so far on this podcast and uh, we no one was overly impressed although his, his debut was adequate his second performance though um rocketed him to the top of the supreme novices market and that's that's where he currently sits Dama. yeah and dean he looks far too good for anything in the division i mean I know seven-year-olds have a poor record in a Supreme, but they have a poor record because very few of them actually have ran in the Supreme. So, like, appreciate it. He's 8-11 for this. Like, that's that's a bet, really. I mean, I just think this this horse wins this and then goes on and does wins the uh, Supreme doing handstands as well. I mean, even that run at Cork, that, that was easy enough to crib for the horse in second there, Master McShee, all he's done is frank that since. You know, yep. and he's going to reoppose here. So it's just the form has been absolutely huge. I would love if Blue Lord would take this in because I think he is a two miler. Um, and I, I'd love to see him run over the trip. I think he'd be the one to give appreciate the most trouble. As much as I love Bally Adam, those those wins he had earlier on the season haven't quite worked out. And he's looked the horse to me that kind of wants better ground as well. So I think appreciate it is by far the one to beat. Irrational, he could. He could improve as well. It's a very deep contest. Don't get me wrong, but I just think appreciate is just a step above everything else in the division. And if Blue Lord is declared, I'd have a small interest in him each way. I think ten to one, but that price would maybe suggest to you that he's he's not going here. So appreciate it. He takes all the beating, and he's probably the only horse of the weekend. Maybe um, that or Bar Shaken uh, Forsois who makes his his short price look uh, look quite reasonable. Fair enough. Um, and, and hard to argue. I mean, everything about the last performance there screened uh, the right one for the Supreme. What is a shame, Paddy, is that this horse is already seven. So by the time, you know, it go, I, I don't think they'll mess around with hurdles uh, uh, for a second season. But um, it is a shame, isn't it? Because you'd love to see this horse tackle a fence at some point. And we're already a seven-year-old talking about a Supreme novice's hurdle. Yeah, well, I suppose he, he's already ran in a couple of points as well, hasn't he? So they probably won't yeah. hang about in, in heading down that avenue. But, yeah, difficult to see past him here. I mean, form is very, very strong. Uh, I mean, really, it was a massive run, even the way things panned out for him in the in the bumper at, at, at Cheltenham at the festival. And, I mean, obviously, in, in the, the good bumper at this festival last year, absolutely bolted up. So his form is rock, rock solid. Um, and for me, yeah, yeah wordy favour, difficult to look past. Yep. Okay. I agree. Um, is there any chance Bally Adam uh, strikes a blow and, and comes back and maybe looks uh, more classy? Well, delivers on a bit of the class that we thought was under the bonnet, Dave Webb. Um, you need to improve, Dean. Like, I think if you put um, Bally Adam's Royal Bond against Appreciate's uh, Christmas win, and based, forgot about Bally Adam running on Leopardstown, I think the prices would be fairly similar. Um, right. Appreciated is, is he's very rock solid at slight odds on. Um, it's hard to make a case for any of these really, given how well appreciated won the last day. He looks um fairly bomb proof here in this field anyway. Fair enough. Um, we've talked about quite a few odds on uh, favourites. We certainly started Saturday that way around, and we're getting into the mix of the, the Sunday now. And when you talk about those horses that we've just we've just mentioned, we've another one coming up at three ten. Dave Weldon, Fogas, Novice Chase, uh, Monkfish, uh, renewing rivalries with latest exhibition, but the the market doesn't suggest it's that much of a rivalry. Eleven to eight on, and eleven to four the pair. Yeah, um, it's probably a bit too much between them now because. You could see it in a different different light that Lay's exhibition would have beaten Monkfish the last day, and it's not that. I don't think that imaginative to see it happening here. 
it, yeah. this is a decent race now. Um, like Assyrian Falange kind of adds a bit of intrigue to it as well to see who's going to take out to the car park with him. Um, Probably only for offensive Exactly, yeah. Um, Anthony Dufresne is interested enough open trip. Um, Phil's Duderis, I, I think there was no fluke about that run behind them by Allen the last day. I think he's massively overpriced, 20 to 1. Um, conflated and assemble, are they going to mess about with them? Nice looking marks they have there. Giggy in the grade one again, you don't know, they're probably always trying. Janadil is interesting as well. It's a fascinating race. Taking out the front two alone, it's a fascinating, it'd be a good graded race uh, with, with them out of it. Um, I, I like Monkey for the RSA. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to see him beaten here either because it's just kind of add a little spice to it and you might get a bigger price in the day because he's fairly short at the moment but I'd probably take a chance on Phil Duderys, um, probably place only maybe um, maybe without the front two as well um, he's 21 at the moment so he's a bit of value there I think Yeah, I think this is a race where you can take a chance because the trip is probably slightly shorter than optimum uh, for the favourite and whilst latest exhibition can get close could get close again so you could easily take a chance uh, there Andy Dufresne is the one that interests me as a horse that everyone's always thought the world of and there must be more still to come and a couple of times when you thought Andy Dufresne's about to take top rank it uh, just gets just gets turned over by something but um, it wouldn't be a surprise to me if Andy Dufresne ran huge in this race it is a cracker Paddy yeah it certainly is and the horse you mentioned Andy Dufresne he's two from two over fences now and you know, he looked pretty good on his feet. Um, Phil Dudery, the horse that Dave was on about there, I mean, that was a massive run the last day. I think probably we were so yeah. we were so focused on maybe was the winner a bit underwhelmed, but I think the second probably on the day didn't get the credit that he deserved because, I mean, apart from when he was returning from a good bit of uh, an absence on his first run for Joe, so, I mean, he hadn't run for over a year and he was still in the mix. He wasn't going to win a Punchestown when, when he tipped up at the second last, but he wasn't far behind Coolerivi at the time. Then he won next time at Navin, and then you know a massive run, and and once they gave him a scare, but very very solid run. Um, the last day, so he's no back number. Um, Monkfish and latest exhibition. I mean, Monkfish has come out um on the couple of occasions that they've met on on, on the the right side of the argument, and I couldn't really see uh latest exhibition. Although you, you know you know I really love that horse. I just think. He's a little bit yep. behind Monkfish. Um, this is red hot, red hot. But Monkfish, he's an absolute giant. He's been very, very good on his feet. Very, very hard to knock him. And I'm really looking forward to watching this race. But, yeah, I'm, I'm probably struggling to, to find something to beat him. On what we've seen him so far over fences, Monkfish. Yeah, that's fair enough. The only kind of slight thing I have against Monkfish for this is... Um, is the trip, and maybe that's unfair. I, I do think Monkfish will dominate this lot at three mile plus. Dermot Nolan, on to you. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to take on Monkfish with Latest Exhibition. Um, yep. I thought Latest Exhibition, there's not a whole lot between them, as the price uh, might suggest. I mean, maybe like a slight change of tactics on Latest Exhibition, where he kind of comes and challenges after the last, rather than, you know, in the Albert Bartlett and at Christmas, he, he really took him on and Monkfish kind of chewed him up. Like, I'd love to see Brian Cooper now maybe sit sit a bit longer, have one sustained effort at Monkfish because I just don't think, as the prices for this or the RSA goes, that, there, that there's that much between them. And it doesn't take much at this level for something small to be off in a favourite. And uh, latest exhibition 
to be up to this level. So like place suspicion, he's ten to one for the RSA. Like I just think that's a big price, really. Um, yep. and here as well, a three to one. So yeah, I, I think I'm taking on monkfish with uh, latest exhibition day. Fair enough. I, I think this this is potentially the race of the two days if it goes to plan. It could be some finish. Um, I think Monkfish would win um, comfortably at maybe three mile a bit. But there's a horse in there like Andy Dufresne and, and Phil de Deris. And, you know, these horses can still come through and put a marker down. Monkfish has definitely laid that marker down. And that is an absolutely fascinating Flogus at uh, 3.10. Uh, Town on Sunday. OK, Dermo, I'm going to let you have the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup first up. Um, Manella Indo and Deltawet looking to put behind them, uh, well, a fall and an unseat. Uh, the last time these lot all lined up against each other, he was a storyteller. And then Kenboy and Mellon, who were the revelations behind Aplutar in the Savos. Um, only five, but a fascinating five. Yeah, I've come full circle on this uh, since we actually discussed this race last night, Dean. I love Manelian, though. Um, I think he he will go on to win the Gold Cup um, after this race. I just don't think this is this might be the be-all and end-all for them. Um, I think the, a good clean round and a good performance will... Put them right for Christmas. That was, I don't think it was that bad a fall that they had at Christmas, but it was a fall nonetheless. It was really out of character for him. He's always, yeah. his jumping's been kind of one of his main aims. And I still think that that he was, he might be the best horse to come out of that RSA. And whilst the RSA hasn't proven itself as top form, it hasn't had the chance to either. Champ yeah, hasn't come out yet. And, you know, yeah. um, Alaho um, kind of hasn't, hasn't been himself for most of this season. So was when Elindo is the one that I fancy for the gold cup, I think Delta work is the bet at five to one here. Um, this is his gold cup. This is his big day. He unseated rider at, um, at Christmas, but I was very unlucky and having Jack Kennedy back, we like not to knock Sean Flanagan or anyone else, but Delta work only ever seems to produce his best runs under Jack Kennedy, whatever it is. And, um, having Jack Kennedy back again, like Ken and Mellon are very, very interesting. They're going to change the tactics on Mellon, this will decide, I'd say, whether he goes Gold Cup or Ryanair. Uh, Kenboy is very good as well, but on his day, I think Delta Work is better than them too. Manella Indo is the one that I think will improve past every single horse in this field. And we can't forget the storyteller either. Obviously, he's a great one winner, but he should be just off this. But at strictly at the prices on this one day, I think Delta Work is the bet at 5-1. to one. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, Delta Work, cracking record at this track. Um, a soft unseat the last day. Um, these were the, always the races he was going to come forward after running at uh, Damerill. And um, I'd imagine that the 5-1 to one or 9-2 to two around is, uh, is super value right now for this race. Not, I wouldn't be taking him towards the Gold Cup at Cheltenham, but that's probably where I'll go. But I do think he's got an Irish Gold Cup to aim at here and one he can win. Paddy Aspel, you go for it. Uh, I'd be with Manella Endo here. Obviously, you know, he got a dirty old yep. slap the last day, didn't he, to be fair? Um, so you've got to have that. I thought it was a bad one, yeah. You've got to have that in the back of your mind. And, you know, I think the Bromhead came out afterwards and said that, you know, he had hurt himself. Uh, so they've done well to to get him back. Um, but, look, you know, prior to that, he looked pretty solid as regards getting from A to B. But I do like Manella Endo. He's a real good, strong traveller. And mentally... Um, and all physically, he had been been feeling some ill effects. But mentally, if that doesn't affect him, um, I'd, I'd be happy to be with him here and hopefully get get the show back on the road. Yeah, you have to remember you went a five to two favourite to win the race at Aplutard. Won the last day with all of these uh, horses in the same race, and uh, if he can get his show back on the road, he is rightly favourite. Six to four is Manella Indo. Dave Weldon. Yeah, I can definitely see the case in Manella Indo. I think they'll go a slide. Uh, 
a stride slower here as well, given it's such a small field and rugby. Like you can see where Kenboy's going to lead and the rest kind of just following behind. Yeah. Um, oh, it's very hard. It's very tricky. Like I think dead work is is probably the best. I agree with everything Dermo said, but like there's a there's a not too distant scenario where you can see the storyteller within this race either. Like you know, given the form he has and the vein that New Lisa Life he seems to have had, had this season. Um. Uh, I, I'd probably back down to work, but it wouldn't be a compliment. Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, this is going to have a completely different feel to it, to the Savills, where it's such a big field and lots of uh, likely contenders. So this has shrunk the quality down to just five, and uh, tactics will play a big, big part here. I'm hoping Jack gets it done on Delta Work. Um, okay, right. That's Sunday. The big race is covered off. Uh, anything else you want to mention? And Dermot, I'll come to you first. Anything else you want to pull out of your uh, hat for the weekend racing and your best bet of the Dublin Racing Festival? Uh, now's a good time to do it. Perfect. Um, so in the 2.40 at Leperstown on Sunday, uh, Damalisk is the favourite. This horse won effortlessly last time. He's only on a mark of 135 here um, after winning last time. And he just looks to be to really take it an awful lot of stopping. Um, he, he was a horse that had his problems, but Eddie Harty has him back. He won last time, like the rest of the field weren't even there. And I've half an eye on him because uh, Barnaby Don uh, beat him the time before when that horse was running off 118. So that horse uh, has dotted up since off 123. So Barnaby Don now with David Bridgewater could, could be anything, but poor old David Bridgewater's, his, his horse's mark could be going up and up uh, without even having ran him. Um, yeah. But, uh, I think Damalise takes the world of stopping seven to one there for the handicap on Sunday and in the two forty. And whilst this is a really good race, I just don't don't see anything up to his um his standard. And then in the four ten, this is always a very um really interesting handicap chase. It, it ran over two miles five and a half, and there's two here that I really like at um, both uh, twenty to one. A uh, train wreck first of all. Like this horse was second in this very race last year off um of two pounds lower beaten ahead, really unlucky, was given the second or the winner that day, absolutely loads of weight. Um, so this horse here of 138 now for Henry de Bromhead, he's nine years old, he should be coming into his prime, ran a huge race in the Paddy Power at Christmas as well, just just doesn't quite see out that uh, three-mile trip. So coming back here to two miles five is really interesting. So a 20-to-1 train wreck, just he looks a whopping bet. And then the other one in the race, if he gets in, but he's very low down in the handicap, is for the uh, same connections of that uh, that winner last year. Uh, Morgan Duke won this race, a big price for Paul Gilligan. And Born by the Sea, he runs here for the same connections. I've had a small bet in this horse, Dean, for the... Uh, four miler i think he could just run into a place really really hardy stare he, he won a weatherby in november um over three miles did that brilliantly and then at christmas over two mile four was beaten the neck by uh, the old cur that's a like that's not bad form as well because the old cur has come out since so this horse has been mixing over hurdles and fences same connections as last year he'd run off nine stone ten well a bit higher if a few comes out he needs a miracle to get in but it, it has happened before he could get in a a very bottom weight so born by the sea a 20 to 1 if he gets in but uh, a train wreck who looks guaranteed to run is the one i think dean a 20 to 1 there who looks absolutely huge and as best bets goes i think gayard de may neil in the very very first race of this whole meeting takes the absolute world of stopping i think he could be something very special okay right back to the beginning for your best bet of the week and that's no surprise given how strong you were on uh, on uh, Gerard de Menil when we talked about it at the beginning of the of the show. Um, I'm going to throw in the mix uh, Farclaff. It runs in that 410 
at Leperstown um, on Sunday, is it? Yeah, Sunday. Um, that's that's one that I think I've got on the radar for Cheltenham as well, potentially. I think it will go well, um, providing things go to plan in the build-up there. Um, I doubt work is my best bet at the weekend. Uh, Paddy, you're up next. Uh, I was going to take a chance with the horse of Willie's in the bumper. On, um, yep. You know, I, I think... It must be a, a real headache for Patrick, you know, just the, the, the sort of horses that he's got to choose between. Um, and, I mean, the thing is, even in his interview, he, he gave a mention of, of, of three or four horses. But it's very, very difficult. But I'm going to go with my Ryan's horse right down the bottom here and hope, as I said earlier, that Patrick, unfortunately, has got on the wrong one on the day. Yeah, it's going to happen sometimes for sure, and and he'd be well used to that. That's, that's what do we want, or what what do you want? What that's Willie Mullins, and yeah, exactly. Number ten yeah. in that four twenty five on uh, Saturday evening from Leperstown. Dave Weldon, you are up, and before you go, I, if Sandown does go ahead and the Cotswold is on, Santini, I think, is a knocking bet at, um, at five to two. But um, I think it's probably might even be odds against now that that uh, does go ahead. Yeah, I, I fancy St. Calvados now. I'd hope he'd go well in that. I'm kind of interested in him in the, in the Gold Cup at a big price. He ends up swimming weather. That's exactly where he go well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Sunday, I go through three handicaps to uh, give a little each way, Trixie. Burdess Queen in the Mare's Hurdle, uh, the Paddy Mullins Mare's Hurdle, the 110. Uh, yeah. Needs a couple to come out probably to get in. But Liz Doyle won at Christmas over at Leperstown against the boys in a what looks probably a better race. Um, had the hood on first time there. I'd say she'll have the hood on again today on, on Sunday. She's about 14 to 1 chance. Um, in 2.40 then, um, Baddy Shannon Rose, very progressive horse, won four on the spin, going the right way. Peter Fatty trains um, up another chunk in the way. But this race is a, a funny race. Tracy Dennis Courty won it with a similar profile last year. And at 10 to 1, I think Baddy Shannon Rose could, could do the same job here. Um, and then in the 410, I'm going to take a chance on Manella Times to go one better than Paddy Power. I see Dermot's point with train wreck, but Manella Times um, finished second in that race and he's 12 to 1 shot. I think he's probably closer to 5. Um, so yeah, Manella Times in the 410. And okay. best bet, sorry, best bet, um, Port Sandy in the 245 on Saturday. Yeah, I have to echo that's got a great chance that Port Stanley. And we're all taking one on that 410, but that shows you the competitiveness of what we've got uh, to come. Paddy may be the only one to get us out of jail in the bumper on Saturday. And hopefully you'll all have a bit of luck over the, the couple of days of the Dublin Racing Festival. You've all been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. And of course, we're tonybet.com all the way to the Cheltenham Festival. More on that uh, next week. And uh, thank you very much, chaps. We'll chat to you next week.